This is the I Am Redemption podcast. Today we have a very special guest, content creator extraordinaire, uh, my friend in recovery. Her name is Rachel Slocum. Um, we uh, we met each other not very long ago. Did not meet, unfortunately, met um, at a funeral um, from somebody that was in our community and stuff like that. But we got to talking and uh, started following each other on social media. And I saw what she was doing and saw you know how she was being very open, very vulnerable, and I think uh, whether she knows it or not, she's out there inspiring a lot of people, and so wanted to get her on the podcast, so Rachel, welcome. Thank you. Of course. Do you want to uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, and in case they may, may not know who you are? Sure. I'm Rachel. Um, I am a content creator, I guess. Uh, I'm Only, also... OnlyFans, right? <laughs> not yet. Listen, if these bills get out of hand, I don't know. I can't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, I create uh, kind of weird comedic content, uh, relatable content online. Um, I am a mother. That's kind of how I started out doing social media and um, just kind of went viral during quarantine when everyone was bored. And I used to tell people like, hey, if I ever get a TikTok, punch me directly in my shit. And then all of a sudden I made one because I was bored. Um, and I just started like venting on there. I was very um, new after just having my youngest and I went viral. And then from there on, it just kind of grew. Yeah, so you were just bored during yeah. bored during quarantine? Yeah. Was it one video or? One video in particular gained me like, I don't know, 35,000 followers overnight. No and shit. then from there it kind of, yeah. So what was it like? Like you, you just woke up one morning, saw how many, saw it blew yeah. up? Yeah. Yeah. It was actually wild. Me and my oldest were looking, like my phone, I didn't notice for like two days because I didn't go on TikTok like that. Like I just made this video and kind of put my phone down. I wasn't expecting anything to like pop off like that and right. then i looked at my phone and i was like what the hell is going on and it was at like a few million views and then me and my oldest were just watching like all of the comments and like it it was wild it was wild that's crazy yeah um so what as far as uh you know obviously you can tell from your accent you're not from texas i'm from new york how uh where did your where did your story start kind of where did you, where did things start going kind of left and life so, became unmanageable? Yeah. So I grew up in New York. Um, I, <clears throat> so I think my, I was always a little bit unmanageable, like my whole life. Um, I kind of always felt like just like on the outside of people. I didn't, I f didn't really ever feel like I fit in much. Um, I always felt things like super deeply. I was like very emotional kid. I was like depressed at a very, very young age. And then like middle school rolls around and I started experimenting with like just, you know, like the weed and the drinking and stuff like that. And like from that moment on, things progressed pretty quickly. You know, I started hanging out with the wrong people. I started running away. I started doing all things like that um, and just kind of became obsessed with like, you know, that just escape of reality through like using things. So I was smoking weed all the time. I was drinking. Um that went on, you know, to, I went on to harder substances and the progressive thing. And then around like 15, I was introduced to OxyContin, mm. 80s. Mm -hmm. um, and that was because I was actually addicted to ecstasy at the time. That was like my thing that I really, really loved. Um, I couldn't get it one weekend. And I was like, I knew I was different than my friends because I literally would like, throw a tantrum, like a toddler. Like if I could not get something, it was like the end of the freaking world. So I knew right then, I'm like, oh, maybe you're not a little, not very much normal, like your friends. 
Um, and then from that point on, like I said, that one night couldn't get what I wanted. So someone was like, oh, hey, here, try this. So I snorted a line of Oxy. And then from that point on, I didn't even like it at that point. Like I started puking immediately, but then I did like it. Does that make sense? Right. I don't know if that makes sense. No, yeah, but yeah. from that you. day, I just went and I was like, oh, I can be normal on this. I'm not out here like, you right. know, looking like a crazy person. Um, and that just became my daily life. And that graduated to heroin and I was an opiate addict for over 10 years. Um, I was pretty like functional for most of my addiction until I wasn't. And then, yeah, I came to Austin. I moved from New York to Austin to go to rehab um, in 2018. And so that's how I ended up here. Right. Yeah. I remember, so Coke Coke was my thing first. And like, I never had that, I never had that off switch in my head. It was like, I did this drug and I was like, oh, that's it. And I did the next one, the next one. Yeah. And I remember, couldn't get Coke and came up on Oxy mm-hmm. and did it. And I remember snorting my, I think I had snorted like, two over the course of a couple of weeks or whatever and like it did nothing to me and then i got a 40 one time and it rocked me yeah and i was like this is fucking great i can eat i can sleep i can do all normal things i was right. in there you know some people do opiates and they're you know they puke or they get down here i was rearranging all the the green bean cans to match yeah. up with the labels and stuff in my uh in my cupboards and stuff like that yeah. and then i was all in on the, the opiates so when you when you graduated to heroin and we both know heroin up north is very different from down mm-hmm. south. Did you go right to the needle or it was? No, no. Actually, so I, I snorted it. I had a boyfriend who had now since passed pretty much everyone I've encountered in my life at that point um, is almost dead now. Right. Uh I couldn't get, because I don't know if you remember when, like, Oxys, they stopped making, they started making mm-hmm. the OPs, and then mm-hmm. you had to do the Roxys if you wanted to do them, like, the way you wanted to do them. Um, and he he was already doing heroin, and he brought out a bag, and he was like, I was sick. I was sick as hell, and I was scared. I was still scared. Even though I had been doing the pills, I was still scared to, like, graduate to that, because, like, in my mind, I was like, the pills are safe. You know, they're safe. They're clean. You know what you're getting. Da-da-da. You don't know exactly what you're getting. Um, with heroin, but you know, that day I remember I was in Poughkeepsie, New York, which is like a little bit upstate Mm. from like where I'm from. And, um, he had given it to me and I did it on the way home from the train. And I was like, holy shit. Cause he was like, it's the same thing and it's way cheaper. So from that point on, like that was just it for me there. Did you ever end up doing dub in Texas? I did. Um, I relapsed. Uh, so I went to, um, treatment and I was sober for like 60 days And, you know, I got a rehab boyfriend. I wasn't like fully focused on myself and like what I needed to do. And I was at, I went to like Brightside Sober Living. I don't know if you know what that is. And Mm -hmm. I was sitting in, we had these like mandatory big book meetings we had to go to. And I was just sitting in a meeting and I got like hit with the obsession out of nowhere. I had a great day, like nothing happened, but I was just like that, that thought hit me. And I was like, I'm going to relapse. Like I just made up my mind. People knew like I was acting off and like, that night, um, I had another roommate in my sober living that I knew also, like, she was doing some shady stuff. So I was asking her. And then we went and got, and I had never done tar before. So I did that. I didn't like it. Trash. I didn't like tar. Yeah. Trash. I was like, this is not what I, so immediately I, I regretted it. I'm like, I just threw away two whole months for this shit that I literally, what is this? Right. Um, and then my brain was like, well, I, I also, so like by the end of my addiction, heroin and crack were my thing. Once I, I tried to, 
I don't know if you've seen my video, I've talked about it before, but um, I was trying to get off opiates and I thought I didn't like uppers. So I tried to like smoke crack while I was detoxing, which was like such a, it, it made so much sense in that time. I was like, you know, like I'm gonna get better right. from my opiate addiction. But like in this time I need something to like take my mind off of it. So I'm gonna smoke crack. And that was like, I felt so empowered and like this was the best idea ever. Did that and absolutely did not go how I planned. And then I ended up addicted to both. So like, that's really what, what caused me like doing heroin and crack together. And I went full on, like I'm talking all day, every day. Um, I was also working full time, taking care of my kid, but like I had stopped sleeping. I had stopped, you know, doing all these things and I was not functional anymore when right. I was doing both of those. Um, what was the question you just asked me before though? What was I, what was I leading? I was leading to something. It was, oh, if you went right to the needle. No, I think I was leading to something. I'm sorry. I just completely lost my train of thought i was going towards something but yeah anyway so i started um i started oh my relapse down here that's right. what i was talking about um i started smoking crack you know that's what got me to the point where i was actually willing to get sober and then down here when i came to austin during that relapse so i went on a week relapse um after i had like 60 days clean and i I was trying to find, you know, both of my drugs of choice. Mm -hmm. I didn't like the the heroin, but I was like, all right, I'll take whatever, I'll do it. But I'm like, okay, let's try to add some crack to the mix. I couldn't find it. So there's a whole lot of meth, whole lot of meth in Austin. So mm -hmm. I was like, might as well, I've never done that. We didn't have meth where I was right. in New York at all. So right. I was like, I might as well try that. So I just went on um, doing tar and meth for seven days straight. Last by the By the last day of that, Nobody would hang out with me. Nobody would talk to me. I was by myself in a Motel 6, like, pulling my body hairs out with tweezers. Mm. And I begged to be let back into detox. And that's when I went back in. And then I've been sober from that point on. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, one of my one of my last-ditch efforts to get clean. I, I thought it was, was going to try. If I go here for a little bit, you know, a little while. So I ended up going up to New York um, yeah. and staying with my with my family up there for a little while and that lasted about a, a day. Mm -hmm. um, I had Suboxone, that was my plan. I'm gonna go up there, I'm gonna take Suboxone, I'm gonna be done, that lasted about a day. And so one night I have my uh, sister and brother, unfortunately, my younger sister and my other brother in the car with me. They're driving me around to the, the hood of Schenectady, which mm. is not a good part of upstate New York or whatever. And uh, I have this idea that I'm gonna get seven bundles which for those that don't know, there's 10 bags in a bundle. You right. get one. We don't you have get, points. You, you get one for free, so you get yeah. 11 bags. And so I had 77 bags of seven bundles on me, and we get pulled over. And because we're white in a in an all-black neighborhood or whatever. Right, they knew. One of the scariest I've ever been, because in Texas, I'm on, I'm in bond. I'm on bond in three counties. Mm -hmm. I'm already facing going back to prison for doing time and all stuff. I'm like, I'm about to get popped in New York. Like, I am fucked. Mm -hmm. And... I remember my sister handed up a this much in a water bottle, and so I start swallowing, trying to swallow these huge bundles with the the wax bags or whatever. And I got five of them down, and the water was gone. So now I have two left, and I had on baggy sweatpants and basketball shorts underneath. And the two cops are walking up on each side, and the only thing I could do was like right. try to hide them there, and so yeah. I do it, and uh. The cop's sitting there looking with his flashlight and like, I mean, I'm shaking. I'm so scared. Like, I'm about to get locked up with my poor little brother and sister in the car. Like, I'm the biggest piece of shit ever. I'm going away forever. And uh, 
we had stopped and got Dunkin' Donuts coffee previously waiting for the guy to answer the phone. Did you put it in the coffee? No, so uh, I'm sitting there with the, the cup the, the cup of coffee is all I have, but it's yeah. scalding hot, right? And uh, so the cop looks down and goes, what's that? And one of the corners of the bundles was sticking out above my sweatpants. Yeah. And I was like, and so the only, my only option was to try to like push it down my leg. Yeah. And so I went in to like show him what it was. And as I put my hand in there, the sleeve from the coffee had fallen in there and I didn't know it. So I was able to push the bundles down and pull out the sleeve. Oh, and I was like, it's just that. And he's like, okay. And then they took my ID. And so then I drank scalding hot coffee to get the thing. So they ended up letting us go. And then here I am on the side of the road after we pull away, trying to puke these bundles up, mm -hmm. hoping that I can still salvage, salvage this dope, couldn't. Right. And then talk them into bringing me back to go get $500 more, which is yeah. just one. Of, I, don't, I don't think I've told that, this, that story on the podcast, but that's yeah. just that's, that's really how it goes that's what it'll do to you yeah um so you finally got sober here what was it about austin or texas like what was different here it was just you just need a new scenery or was there something about i think it was a mixture of things i really had to get out of new york you know i tried i started going to 12-step meetings when i was like 17. Okay. um you know and i I wasn't ready for a long time. Something always, I used to go to meetings high all the time because mm -hmm. like something always pulled me. You know, I did NA back in New York and like just just knowing that these people like were, that gave me like there was, I didn't feel like there was ever a possibility for me like realistically in that time. I was like, this is just never going to be me. Like I've tried so many times. Um, but when I came to Austin, I think that number one, like just my my last few months in New York really brought me to the point where I was like, actually willing to like leave my job leave my kid like do actually go somewhere right. and then um i'm not exactly sure like what i was willing to they i thought i was only coming here for 30 days to go to treatment and going home they suggested i stay here and i like took that suggestion which was different for me because i always knew you know i was like i know how to do this you know clearly i know how to do this um even though i just continued to fuck up my life for over a decade right um and then just the 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 recovery community down here was very different mm -hmm. than from like what I had back home. Um, back home to go like the AA meetings that I experienced were all like very old timer, very like strict by the book. Like one time um, I went to treatment in 2013 and I, I was like so determined when I got out to do my 90 and 90 that even though I was working an a an NA program, I like had to fit in AA meetings as well because there wasn't that many meetings around me. Right. Like I had to drive like half an hour, 45 minutes sometimes to go to a meeting. And um, so I went to like an early bird AA meeting once and I like introduced myself as an addict. And at the end of that meeting, um, these two like old dudes came up to me and they were like, this is not where you need to be. Right. And I was like, all right. Okay. I was like super offended. I was like, so I was in my first like 30 days at that yeah. point. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, and I was like, okay, I will never ever come back to AA in my life because clearly I'm not welcome here. And that's how I felt about it for a long time. Um, once I came here and I had a different experience with the 12 steps in AA, it was just, it was really different for me. I felt that they were way more accepting. Um, and yeah, it was just different. I don't know exactly what maybe it's the limestone you know who <laughs> knows maybe it's all like i don't really know i just was able to finally do it right yeah i i mean i bounced around to so many different states hoping it would be the thing yeah. in texas you know austin in particular 
for whatever reason, you know, I, I look back at it and think about it now, like why did why did it work here? Right. Um, you know, where I'm where I'm from up north, it's it's all run down steel mills and dilapidated crack houses. There's yeah. no like culture. There's no fitness community. There's right. no any of that stuff. You know, the I mean, the weather's shitty nine months out of the year, yeah. if not more. That's a big factor too. And Huge then, factor. So you're always inside, right? You know, what I mean, and I'd never noticed it, but now when I go back up north and I visit. It's like I immediately feel gloomy because mm-hmm. it's just cloudy and gray and yeah. and all that. And so, and I was never a big sun person. Like, I'm a heroin addict. I want fucking blankets <laughs> over the windows. I want dark and I want dingy and yeah. cold all the time. But, uh, yeah, Texas and Austin in particular saved my life. Just uh, the amount of communities and it's like people that I actually, I wanted to fuck with. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I'm going to hang out with people just because they're straight, but there was like, all right, there's some fucking, yeah. there's some real ones here. It's not right. that closed-minded, this is the only way or the old-timer way or anything like that. Right. So it saved yeah. me in many ways. Same, same. So would you say, do you have a moment you'd say was like your rock bottom moment where you like looked in the mirror and you're like, I got to fucking change my life. Would it have been in that Motel 6 or was there another time? I mean, the time before I came to Austin, for sure, like I was ready to end my life. Like, you know, I just really did not. I was, I was at a point where, like I said, I wasn't sleeping. I had lost, like, I was already skinny as a, an opiate addict. And then when I added crack to the mix, I was like, emaciated. Yeah, like you, it looked you, like I was going to po- die you, from consumption or you something. You posted a picture not long ago of, like, yeah, kind of like difference. a before and after. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and I just, like, I was just so, you, that was. Did you think back before that, before picture when you were when you were still high, did you think you were, like, hot shit back then? You know, I, I always hated being skinny, but when I was high, I always thought. I'm like, right. look at me, you know, like, look at me. Meanwhile, I looked just absolutely a wreck. All It's like I look back at all the pictures where I thought I looked good and I'm like, oh girl, what are every, you doing? Every, I, I pretty much wiped my Facebook clean of all like my old, sh- old yeah. shit, but every once in a while one from way back will pop up and I'm like, I used to think I was just fresh as a motherfucker back then and I look like shit. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. But it's it's nice to see those moments and look back. And yeah, like, okay. I actually enjoy. I don't I don't mind them when they come up now because it, it just reminds me how far right. I've come. Right. You know, so yeah. But I was not. I was. Uh, it was a mess. But yeah, my so I had a I had a bottom in New York, right? Like when I, I just like and it was actually kind of I I truly believe it was a God thing. You know, I wasn't planning on like reaching out for help, mm-hmm. and I was just gonna like end my shit. Like I just really I felt like like my. Everyone would be better off without me. Even my son, I just felt like I was failing at everything. Like I, I went from being a functional addict to like showing up late to work and like having, I couldn't, once I started smoking crack, I couldn't even, I was a dental assistant. And so I, I know, I know. And, but I was functional as an opiate addict. I could sit there and do my job. The worst thing that happened is maybe I like nodded off a little bit and you know, you didn't ever have those days when you when you couldn't get anything or you didn't have money? Oh, no, I would make – I was, like, really, really good at – I mean, I would work I, – I went to work no matter what. When I was sick right. and shit, I went to work, and, like, my – I had a few dealers that were close by to my job, so I would push through. I'm talking sweating, yeah. having to run to the – like, I just would push through right. uh, somehow. I don't know how the hell I did it. Now when I get sick in, in my um, – in recovery, like when I get sick, I'm like, if I can go through what I went through then yeah. and be like completely like I can get because sickness in sobriety for me is like sometimes I feel a little I don't know. I'm like, this is too much. And then I have to think about like what I used to go through so frequently and I was able to push through. I'm like, you can fucking do this, you know. Um, but yeah, so once I started 
once I started adding the crack to the mix there and just my life just went completely downhill, I'm hearing things. I'm like not mentally well at all. I would go to the emergency room. I would sit in my car all night and chain smoke Newports and smoke crack and do dope. Like that was like my life because right. I couldn't really do it how I wanted to during the day. And I had a kid I still had to take care of. I would sit in my driveway in the freezing cold. I got sober in January. So I would sit freezing cold in my car, just smoking cigarettes, smoking crack, doing dope. Um, and so I got to the point where I was just like, so done. I was like, I don't think this is going to get better. Like this is my brain was fully focused on like, this is like the end, you know, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this or whatever, but this is just not, life is not going to go on much longer. And my old, an old IOP counselor of mine reached out to me on Facebook and he was like, how you doing kid? And I was just like, not good, like not good at all. And he got me into that day. He got me into treatment. Like he really? got me into, I was supposed to go to, um, I was actually supposed to go to Florida and they didn't have any openings. So they had another treatment center here that I went in Austin. And I'm like, right. Texas was a fucking tumbleweed. So I need a cowboy hat. Like, right. what, 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 you know, I'll come back now. Like, what am I, what am I walking into? You know, like right. I was like, I want to go to Florida. I like the beach. Yeah. Um, but it ended up being like the best thing ever, you know? Right. And then, so then my second bottom was when, yeah, when I was in that Motel 6, um, that was for sure. That that was like it, it for me. Because right. I had known, like, I thought I hit that bottom back home. And then the fact that my addiction, like, was that powerful that it just took me out for literally no reason. Mm -hmm. And, like, just completely destroyed my life in a week. Like, burned it down. Right. And in that week, so much shit happened. And, um, yeah, that was really it. When the, When nobody would talk to me, I was all by myself doing weird shit. In a Motel 6, you know, um, yeah, that that was like, I was like, okay, like, right. this is this is it. There's a lot of people that would look at that, that relapse as, as a negative thing, but literally the same thing happened to me where I had eight months and I had a week where I just burned it down. But yeah. looking back, that was one of the most valuable lessons because it was like my last time to dip my toe back in. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is, this Terrible. is, this does not work right. for me. Like, I can't fucking do yeah. this anymore. And then you're like, fuck, I just threw away eight months or whatever. But then I remember being that much more all in when I, yep. after that week and got back to it. Yeah. So I needed that relapse. Yeah. I needed that to solidify, you know what I mean? I was like the, the meth route. I had to like exhaust every single option. Right. Um, before I realized that it was just not, not for me, but that was, I needed that. I'm super grateful for that week that I had. So you've had some, from outside looking in, seems like you've had some some wins recently, some big wins in your life. I know you moved and yes. did some of that stuff. So you told me your rock bottom moment. Yeah. Do you have a moment of redemption? Do you have something that's happened in your life where you're like, oh shit, like I'm here, I made it, I'm back? I mean, I think on my life today, honestly, like in every aspect, I feel like is that right. you know, like just every aspect. Um, I wake up every day and I'm like, well, how is this my life? You know what I mean? Like, how is this even real life? I don't know. But right. like, it's, it's just wild. I just, life is so good, mm -hmm. you know? And even when things are bad, they're good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. 100%. And I'm, I'm able to see things that way. Whereas I used to be very much a drama queen with every single, every single thing. Everyone was out to get me. I was always a victim. I couldn't see the good in anything. And now I've just like completely one, I'm exactly the opposite right. now. Um, and yeah, it's just been wild. Right. Yeah. It's funny how you said that exact 
the exact opposite thing because I'm so polar opposite of what yeah. I was as an addict. Like Same. My, my ego as an addict, I thought I deserved applause just for walking in the room. <laughs> literally, yeah. literally for no reason yeah. at all. Yeah. But now like, you know, contrary to what people believe, like I don't want to be the center of attention. Like it just so happened that my story got out there and I've been blessed with opportunities to be able to do stuff like this. And, right. But I do it to help people. I don't mm -hmm. do it for, for me at all. Yeah. Um, so you got that moment of redemption redemption in there. What looking back on your your whole journey through addiction and everything, what do you think is the most valuable lesson that you learned? Man, um I'm sure there's quite a bit of them. There Just yeah, I'm one, trying to one, decipher one, through one that, one that jumps out to you. Um I mean, I think that just like having hope and and being able to like learn that there is always like light through the tunnel, you yeah. know, like, cause I just, for so long, I saw nothing but darkness, you know what I mean? And just like knowing, being able to learn that like, no matter what, now I know I've gone through a lot of shit in sobriety. And now mm -hmm. I know that like, I can get through anything, right. no matter what it is. Um, and it will pass and things do get better so that like, you know, nothing is permanent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, what you just said about like having hope, um, you know, this might not be, this might not go along with what a lot of recovery, recovery people would, would say or, or agree with or something like that. But I remember there was a moment where I had finally had a glimpse of hope and that, that right there, like my mind was made up, like I'm never fucking doing this again. Yeah. And I've been sober since that day. But, like, being able to find that moment of hope, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think that's very, if people, that was my, that was always my thing with, you know, with going to 12-step meetings, which my foundation is in the 12 steps. And, you know, I don't want to mince words. Like, I'm very thankful for that program. But just sitting down in my first meeting, I just remember looking around. I was like, this is fucking it. Yeah. I got to do this shit for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you're like, holy fuck. Like. And so that that's why like you end up finding other things, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, to build on onto that foundation with. But just find being able to find that moment of hope and like is what helped me wrap my wrap my wrap my mind around this becoming like right. you know, a part of my journey and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever imagine a day that you would be doing basically social media for no. a living? No. no. Not even just the, not even when I started doing it. I wasn't I wasn't I mean, if you could have told me that this was going to be my, I just would not have believed you in any capacity um, at all. But even when I first started, like I wasn't trying to do right. this. This is something that just kind of felt like all the pieces just kind of fell into place. And like, here I am. And I love what I do. Like, I absolutely love what I do. I love making people laugh. I love that people can relate to me and I make them feel better and feel good about themselves and stuff like that. And I, I was always like before my before I was in my active addiction when I was a kid, I used to make like home videos, you know, like goofy ass home videos and like do exactly basically what I'm doing now. But I lost all of that in my addiction. And the fact that the, I do that basically now as a job is just like insane. Right. Like the, the gratitude I have to be able to like have a career like this, you know, like it doesn't feel like work most of the time for me. Right. So I'm just super grateful. No, I never thought that I would be doing this. <laughs> right. I never thought I'd be sitting here doing a podcast. Right. Or like that, what but the, I, look at us. I know. 
Who would imagine? I know. But that's what I think. Maybe that's why it works because it's not ever something I intended to set out to do. Yeah. It just happened organically. Right. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And then you realize the effect it's having on people. Right. And watching, watching your videos now like I do, like, I can see how it's what it's doing for other people, but also what it's doing for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think we haven't met each other that many times, but I, but I get the feeling we both have somewhat of a dark sense of humor and yes. we like to... Absolutely. We like to make light of a lot of the trauma and stuff that's happened yeah. in our life. And I think that's how we how we deal with it best. Yeah. But, I mean, it's almost like that's what helped me. Once I put all my shit out there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what can you use against me now? Exactly. Everybody- that's exactly how I look at it. And and that's just part of it, you know. Um, but I think that also talking about the things that I talk about in particular, I have so many people, you know, be like, I'm not the only one because right. I felt like the only one for a long time um, with a lot of things. And the fact that people can relate to that and maybe it can help them open up about other things. And just if we were all honest about literally everything in our lives, like if everybody just said what they want to say and like how they feel and whatever, I feel like the world would be a much better place. Right. You know? Right. So I just try to be authentic and, and talk about my experiences with like no boundaries. Yeah. Clearly. I would get a little bit maybe too into it sometimes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Have you had one thing where you made the video and it was like something super personal where you're like, mm, I don't Not know if I want to really? do it. No, because no? as soon as I almost like sometimes I'm like, oh, shit. like I I posted a, a pretty graphic, disgusting one about like my shits in that's, active that's addiction. That's the one right? I was thinking of. That's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> but yeah, so when I posted, I'm like this. But people were at right. like people ask about it. And then once I posted it, the the thousands right. of comments that that can relate to that type of stuff. Some people that weren't even in addiction that can just relate, you know, just on a daily basis. Yeah. I just think that's so awesome, yeah. you know? Like, if we could all talk poops and farts and whatever else, <laughs> I think that the world would just be a better place. <laughs> that, absolutely. That was that was one of my biggest things was, like, when my, my story kind of started getting out there, I was getting almost more messages from regular people that don't have addiction problems that are opening up to me about childhood trauma right. and, like, all these super heavy things. And it yeah. was like, that's what it taught me. It was like, oh, wait a minute, like, I can use all this fucked up shit that I've done and use it to actually help people. Help other people and it's right. helping regular people too, not yeah. just not just addicts. Yeah. So that's where it's that's why I think I still do this and I'm yeah. sure why you're still doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's my favorite part, you know. It is definitely my favorite part. I get so many messages and so many comments and like sometimes I do get a little you know, content creation is amazing, but it's also can be kinda stressful, you know. Um at times and you know sometimes there's like insecurities or like hate or whatever else that can get it can get a little messy for my mental health at times but like seeing the people that get something from it and that i'm helping make it worth it times a thousand right you know so when when you're doing these videos and stuff like that is this are you just freestyling all this stuff or do you like yeah, most do you of the like time. sit down sometimes and like write if like I have, here's what I'm gonna do? No, no, like I'll have an idea. Some sometimes something will pop in my head, like like some kind of idea. Like I don't know if you see my positive affirmations videos, yeah. but also though like anytime I get an inkling of something that pops in my head when I'm doing something else, I put it in my notes. 
Um, and then I'll have like maybe a couple ideas and then I just get in front. I don't plan what I'm going to say. And I think that's kind of like, that's why I stutter a lot and stuff like that. Cause my brain is just like working in overtime. Cause I'm right. trying to navigate how the hell to say things or what I'm going to say and stuff like that. I'll have a couple ideas, maybe jot it down. Sometimes I just get right on there and I just talk. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's not, it's not very, it's not very much planned. I just get on there and whatever comes out, your, comes out. Your workout one you did last week had me cracking up. Oh yeah. Where you, where you got in front of the TV <laughs> and you're like, I'm gonna start with the, it was like a five minute one or a yep. 10 minute workout or whatever. Yeah. I was cracking up. Yeah. It's good. So you, you would just, my next question, you would kind of let into it about it messing with your mental health. How do, in what ways does social media mess with your mental health? Because I'm, I think it does the masses. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just so much. So much negativity, so right. many assholes and comments and right. stuff like that. Like, yeah. What does I, it do to you? I'm pretty good. Like, I will say, like, 90% of the time, I am really good. I I have learned. Now, I'm from New York, and I, I do have another, like, very ratchet, like, you know, tough girl side to me, or I used to. Um, whereas, like, when people... When people used to say things to me, I automatically would go into like defensive, like, oh, you you hit me here, I'm gonna go to hell. You know, like now I respond, I try my very, very hardest to respond to everyone with love. Right. I have noticed now that the people that say things are normally people who are struggling themselves. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I have realized that and I'm very grateful for that awareness. And like, I was a hateful ass person for a really long time. So I get it. And I like, so I try to, every time there's something that kind of like hits me and I'm like, damn, that was so mean. And I want to be like, I want to retaliate or right. say something. I'm just like, I hope you have the best day ever, you know, with like, with a heart and stuff like that. And that makes me feel a lot better in that regard of things. Now, social media also like with being a content creator, it's very hard to find balance between like real life and working. You know what I mean? Like my mind is on 24 seven, um, you know, and, and sometimes it's hard to turn that off. It's also, you know, I get people sending me pretty heavy stuff all the time. Um, and sometimes that can be hard. I want to help as many, I got people asking me for money all the time. They're sending me their GoFundMe's and I want to help everybody. And sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming that side of things. Um, and then just like sometimes when I will get a, an overwhelming amount, like I'll post one video and it doesn't hit the right algorithm and it's like all hate, like the whole mm -hmm. entire thing, especially being a single mom, something about being a single mom that's, that's trying to be funny online really irks a lot of men. I don't know why. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, if you need a hug, I got you. This is supposed to be a joke. But I have had videos where it's just like completely just like degrading in every type of way. And sometimes I'll just have to like stop reading the comments because mm. it does. Even though sometimes I don't feel like it does stuff to me. Like just if I wake up first thing in the morning and I see 10,000 comments that are all similar and they're all literally bashing me in like the most disgusting ways, sometimes that can be it will yeah. ruin my whole day. Right. I try not to sit in that because the 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 negativity compared to the positivity and love that I get is right. like so minuscule and small that I try to focus on the positive. And usually I'm pretty good at it, but I do have I definitely have my moments. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the f first time everything. So right as the right as the documentary was coming out, I was like being pushed. I got to post and I got to do all this mm -hmm. stuff. And I, I am not the person that's taking selfies or going live or doing videos. That's just yeah. not me. I don't even ever think to take a picture of anything, let alone myself. But I, I had been posting stuff, and I remember it was the first negative comment I got. 
and some dude threw out something there like, oh, you want us to feel bad for you? Like, he was saying, like, taxpayers, we got to pay because of you and all this stuff. Yeah. And I just, I remember sitting on my couch, and I was, like, fucked up about it. And so, very much so, the first, like, this motherfucker, like, yeah. I'm about to go at him. And I was like, no, other people are going to see that. That's not what I'm, who I'm trying to be anymore. Right. Or anything like that. But, yeah, that's, it's made me take, people continue to push me to post stuff on social media. But that's what's kept me away from it. Yeah. Um, who... Do you have people in your daily life or people online, um, you know, famous people, anybody? Like, where do you draw inspiration from? Like, who are the people that inspire you to continue on this path and keep doing what you're doing? You know, um, I have a bunch. I re- Do you know who Mama Tot is? I do not. She is just this very sweet Southern woman. Um, and she's got, like, a ton of followers. And she is just so loving and positive, like, all the time. She's not even in recovery or, or anything. But she is just, like... She's like everyone's internet mom. And I just love her so much. Like I really do. Um, I see her videos all the time and I just think she's so amazing. Um, And then, yeah, I just pull inspiration really from like my everyday life, to be honest. Like So people or? People, situations, you know, really anything that happens. Like most of the stuff that I share, like whether I go on and I rant about something that literally just happened or I'm talking about something that happened with my kids or I'm, you know, getting into my character for positive affirmations and that type of stuff, just being a goofball. Like, um, I don't know. I just get inspiration from everything. You know, there's no like one set source. Um, I kind of just have things like come to me in my head. I'm like, all right, like that, that seems, let's roll with that. You know? Right. Do you, um, trying to think how to, how to phrase this do you have like do you think you know now that people know who you are you know public figure influence or whatever the the proper term is mm-hmm. do you think that's like helped or hindered your your recovery or your mental health overall i i mean honestly i don't know i i'm at a really good point in my life so i don't think it's hindered it i I think it is wild when I see people in public and they recognize me. It's like so wild. I get recognized most in Walmart. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Walmart is every time I go to Walmart. I, but when I see these people, I feel like I know them. Like they know me. They have right. seen me. They have seen like all of me and like who I really am and all my craziness and my weirdness and my worst freaking moments. So like I automatically feel so connected to them when I see them. Whereas like when I see normal people and I interact with normal people in the world, I am like not. I am not comfortable normally, which right. is kind of weird. I don't know. It's just like, I'm like, these people have seen me how I am and they love me anyways. And like, I have a, I just connect with people like, like that, as opposed to people that I like, can't really, I feel like I have to be like, you know, like not myself. Right, right. Um, yeah. I don't, I think that, and, and being able to like run the meetings that I run and help that has helped me tremendously. Like I, I also work 12 steps and I got pretty complacent and kind of bored with just doing the 12 step program. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I started these meetings that were basically just like a, um, with a couple other recovery content creators. And we started these meetings that everybody would be accepted. It's basically just like a support meeting, Mm -hmm. you know, for everybody. There's no, you have to do this or you can't do this. Like we're going to be loving and accepting of you regardless. If right. you are in, if someone comes to that meeting, that means they're showing interest on getting better. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody is to tell anybody else that they don't have 
they're not doing things the right way, you know? So that has, has been amazing for my recovery, being right. able, these, these people that I am in the meetings with help me all the time. Mm. You know, I say that and they're like, thank you so much for starting this. And thank you, Rachel. We love you. You know, I'm like, no, you guys help me. Me being in here with you helps me as well. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I remember when I originally called, called you and was talking to you and asking you about coming on the podcast and stuff, <coughs> you know, the person, Obviously, like we started following each other. I looked you up and stuff, yeah. and it was so such a contrast from the person that I met. I know. You know I mean, obviously, we're at, a fun- really- we're at a funeral, so it's not the the time nor the place. Right. But then I saw her and I was like, is this a character she's playing? Yeah. And I remember asking you out on the phone. And you're like, no, that's yeah. me. And I was like, that's fucking, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I don't know. It's been, you know, on on my journey, like, all my stuff being out there has only you know, helped me be more comfortable with who I am right. and made me own it even more. You know yeah. what I mean? It's it's made me more willing to get up in front of people and speak and, like, speak with conviction and passion and stuff like that because I finally owned all my shit. Right. And for so many of the people that I think we meet on a daily basis, especially in the recovery world, they're just, they're not comfortable yet in being their own skin and just owning their own shit. But Yeah. You know, we talked about once your shit's out there, who can use it against you? Exactly. I always think of 8 Mile, mm. like... Eminem goes up on stage, throws all his shit out there, and the other dude's just standing there with, like, he yeah. has nothing to say. And so, you know, it's been this whole journey, and it looks like for you has been absolutely, like, transformative yes. and life-changing in the way it's all supposed to have been. Yeah. So I got some fun questions Let's for you. Do it. I want you to uh, just give me the first thing, uh, first thing that comes to mind, first word that comes to mind. Okay. There's no wrong Even answers. Even if it's weird? And the weirder, the better. Okay. All right, silly or serious? Silly. All right, New York or Texas? New York. Really? Yeah. So you're just New York at heart? I just am always New York at heart. Like, I love Austin. I don't think I'll ever move back to New York, but, like, the New York in me is just, like, that's always going to be home, even though I'm not going to live there. Let's be for real. I'm not going to live there, but I love New York. Right. I do. No, that's the same. I feel the same way. I'm a Texan now, like... I'll always claim from being up north, but yeah. then I go back and visit for two days. I'm like, all right, yeah, take no. me back no. to Texas. Yeah. Fuck this snow. <laughs> fuck this cold. I'm good. Yeah. Italian food or Mexican food? Italian. All day. Every day. Have you had good Italian food in Texas? Not really. <laughs> listen, okay. So the thing about that is not really. No, right. you can't get good Italian here like you get back home. It's just like... I've had, but everything here is like a chain. You, have you noticed that? They don't have any, like back home where I'm from, yeah. it's all mom, mom like their pops. own privately owned restaurants and right. family, you know, like here, everything is a freaking chain. Um, Mandola's is pretty good. I like that. There's a really dope place in uh, Buda. Oh, is there? Yeah, I forget, I forget the name of it. Um, Please don't tell me like Johnny Carino's no, no, or no, something. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a, it's like right by a winery. Um, if they want to pay to be a sponsor, I'll throw the name out there. Oh. But uh, um, no, I'll have to give you the name. We've been there twice, and I'm like, all right, this is about as close as you're going to get. Oh, to yeah, I'm going to need that name. Yeah. What do you think about the pizza in Texas? Eh. Be honest. It, no. Trash. Yeah. Trash. No. Ew. What's the closest? What, what's the best? In Austin, what's the best slice? I, home Slice is pretty yep. close. Home Slice is pretty close. It's as close as we can get. Yeah, yeah fuck all I think that. so. Thick pizza. I want yeah. big, greasy triangle. Have you ever had the Via 303 or whatever? 313? Yep. The super thick That shit? people rave about? Nah, I'm good. 
I you don't. Do, I'm gonna save you. Spare. I'm gonna spare you. Okay, because I went there and I was just like, <laughs> I think to, I think just South and we have different different tastes yeah. on things like that. I just think there's different taste buds. What was you know? it? What was it like for? I try to explain to people like when I first moved to Texas and somebody took me into a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. If it didn't have a picture next to it, I have no idea what the fuck. I don't know what huevos rancheros is. I don't know what any of that shit is. And so I was trying to, like, you've never had Mexican food? I'm like, yeah. bro, we don't have, I mean, now I'm sure they do. I was like, we don't really have Mexicans up north. Right. Like, we have Italians instead. Yeah. And so as many Mexican places as you got, we have Italian places yeah. like that. Exactly. Best pizza, best food, best everything. What were you, What was your first experience in a Mexican restaurant? Um, or did you know? I mean, I, I knew quesadillas. Like, whenever I go to a Mexican restaurant, I usually get something that I know, you know, like quesadillas. So something Taco Bell had. Yep. That's exactly. If Taco Tacos. Bell. I'm like, I don't really know a lot of the, the things. I like me some guac and queso and stuff like that. Right. But, uh, yeah. that's yeah, It's been a ex- learning experience yeah. for sure. All right. Next, next term. Mental health. Mental health. Um... Great. <laughs> um is an acceptable answer. Oh, no. Yeah. no, great, good. Women. Love them. Love them? Love them. Favorite movie? Oh, God. There's a there's a tie-up between a couple, and they're all really fucked up. Let me hear it. Okay, The fucked kids. up, the better. Oh, let's go. Kids, 13, and Requiem for a Dream. That's, I know. That's a good trio right there. I, they're all fucked. I remember my mom taking me to the video store when it was still VHS. Yeah. And I was taking a really long time to pick out a movie, and she picked up Kids, and she goes, this looks good. And then so I go <laughs> up in my bedroom, and I put on Kids, and I was probably like, Young. I don't know, fifth, sixth grade. Yeah. You know what I mean? And putting it on, and it's opening scene. He's like, I like fucking virgins. And I was like, what? what? I think I watched it around the same. I think I watched it in middle school for the ever, first time. Have you ever seen Gummo? No. Have you seen Belly? Yes. All right. So you remember in Belly when DMX and Nas they're shoot or they're shooting pool, and there's the little trailer park white kid with the pink bunny ears on in the background. Yes. That's Gummo. Oh. So Gummo is made by the same people as kids. I feel like I've heard of it. Maybe I have seen it. I don't know. It'll. It's wild. Yeah. It'll make you give up on mankind. I see. I don't, why do I like movies like that? Not, though? Because we're fucked up people. Yeah. Everybody's. Yeah. If people don't like those movies, I don't know if I could be friends with you. I know. You know what I mean? I feel that. So, wait, what is 13? Oh, the scary movie? No, no, no. It's with the two girls, and they're 13 years old, and they're just, like, all... It's with um, Nikki Reed and... What is her name? Evan Rachel Wood or whatever, and they, like... It was, like... I think it was, like, an independent film in that time period, but I was 13, I think, when it came out. Oh, okay. And they were just, like, smoking, drinking, getting their tongue pierced, stealing shit, you know? It's kind of like a... I don't know. I just loved it. It's super fucked up. Yeah. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Yeah, watch it. Have you seen that it's new? Good. Have you seen that new movie, uh, Nefarious? No. <sighs> have you seen Boondock Saints? Yes. So the one guy from, not the guy that's not Norman Reedus, the guy that's in Walking Dead. Uh-huh. The other guy, Sean Patrick Flannery, plays like this possessed guy in a prison. Uh huh. This dude deserves an Oscar for his fucking performance. Is it in the movies? It was in the theaters. Now it's out on like streaming, but like. Oh. I don't know. It's just fucking dark and deep. And they like, like they tie like kind of issues of today in to what he's saying. Yeah. Not in a real woke way or anything like that. But like, I don't know. If you Have like you seen up, Cherry with uh, Tom Holland? 
Is he getting high in it? Yeah. I've heard about it, but really? I didn't know. I thought it was a freaking action movie when I put it on, and then it was. Yeah, he's been pretty squeaky clean up until that. He is really, he's a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. You've seen uh, Basketball Diaries, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That was like the same era as Requiem yeah. for a Dream. Yeah. That was my shit. Yeah. I remember as I was fake trying to get sober, I remember sitting in my living room watching Basketball Diaries, and my mom was like, I don't understand how you watch this shit. And I'm like, this is like fucking I love porn. it. This is like porn to me right now. I can't get high. I'm going to watch this. Right. Um, all right, next one. What's your, uh, what's your fight song? What song, what? like you're walking out to the ring, you're about to fight for the championship. What is your? What oh, song God. gets you going? Oh man! You ready to fuck shit Some up? Some DMX for DMX? sure. Let's go. Yeah. Specific song or no? Just any DMX. I have to think about it. I think any DMX just makes me want to just like punch people in the face. Right. But like in the like in the bed, like punch you with all this love and affection in your face. There's, or something, you know. So I'm like, uh, I'm a hip hop nerd. Yeah. Like, same. Obsessed with rap. I don't. I don't know that people. I think we have a different respect for DMX than the, yes, the rest of the country. Absolutely. Like when DMX was like first coming out, like I don't even know that his music holds up now like it did back then. But yeah. just like I remember seeing the "Get At Me Dog" video, it was black and white, and they're, yeah. in, the, they're in the tunnel. Do you know what the tunnel is? Which tunnel? What, where? What is the tunnel? It's in New York. That was like the famous underground place where all the all the real rappers would go do like concerts and shit there. Oh. No. Yeah, like if you performed at the was. tunnel, you made it. It's like gritty, grimy New York. Are you into like Jada, LX, yeah. and all that? Mob oh. Deep. Nice. Everybody. Nice. Yeah, New York, New York hip hop. Yeah. Big it's L. Just, yes. Big Pun. Yep. Yeah. It's all I was. Nice. Um. All right. What's your favorite show? Oh man, I really like Euphoria. Currently, it's not out right now. So we're waiting on another season. Um, I I binge watch a lot of shows. I just watch. I don't think I have a favorite show but i just watched another thing with tom holland on apple tv called what is it the crowded room mm-hmm. also very good good i like to binge stuff so i would like watch a whole entire show in like a day yeah me too yeah that's my shit yeah i think it's almost ruined movies yeah because movies never go in depth like i right. want them to so now yeah. i watch shows yeah i don't know what the jason would probably know better he's he's the hollywood guy now with the the strike and all that stuff? Is there just going to be a big six months to a year where there's yes. like no movies yeah, and shows coming yet, out? But yeah, it'll be a big gap of like oh, no. reality shows. I already yeah. know this because I Googled, I watched Silo on um, Apple TV and it was the first season and I'm like, immediately when I'm done, I'm like, when is the second season coming out? And it was like, it's postponed indefinitely for right now because of the strike, so. Yeah, we won't feel it because stuff's still getting produced that was produced, so the trickling down. Right. Editors can still work on what's coming out, but probably early next year, next summer. No, nobody gave me a write anything. So projects won't get produced for a while or they'll be shitty because they rush them. Right. It'll be, it'll be a feeling for sure. Oh. Cause this is gone. This is bad. Oh, we're fucked. And I'm having, the negotiations are not going in well. I'm having a, I'm having a tough time to find good stuff to watch now. So in a couple yeah, months, I'm going to be fucked. Below Deck and uh, Love shows. Oh uh, no. Love Island for yeah, Love Island. years. Oh, Do you have Apple TV? I do not. You gotta get it. They get three a three three free three month trial. Yeah. And there's I just got it like a couple weeks ago. That's why I've watched all disgustingly watched like all of these shows. Right. Um but a lot of them are really good. They got really? a real, lot of really good stuff on there. So that's what you gotta get. Alright, I'm gonna yeah. get it. Um fitness or chill? Ah, it depends. I feel like it depends. Sometimes I wanna chill and relax and right. then other times I gotta be moving. Right. You know, I think it 
You go to the gym? Like, what's fitness look like for you? So for me, I've been a stay-at-home mom, um, you know, for the last three and a half years. So I have been, I was a gym rat when I got sober. I was, like, in the gym Mm. all the time. And then once I had him, I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I had no one to watch him. So I started working out at home. Um, I have since fallen off of, like, my routine. I used to work out at least, like, five days a week in the mornings. And I'm just now getting back into that. Um, so I would say probably right now I'd say chill, I guess, because of, I've been lazy. Yeah. Gotta get back to it. Yeah. It's about to be cold outside. I know. Um, I know. Celebrity crush. Could be childhood, could be now. I used to be Paul Walker for me, RIP. I like loved him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was he, a big, was he a popular, I know he was a popular thing, but was that like a lot of girls' choices? I don't know. I just always loved it. I just always, always thought he was so attractive. Right. Um, yeah. I When I was like a little kid, have you ever seen the, the like 90s movie uh, Little Rascals? Mm-hmm. Alfalfa was like my first crush ever. Don't really? tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, guys. Um, yeah. I don't know what. I don't, I'm not really sure what happened there. but uh, Maybe that. I mean, that says... It says like a lot about you, like the way you, the way your, your videos and stuff like yeah. that. That's like right up your alley. Yeah, I guess so. I wonder what he's doing now. I know. <laughs> what <laughs> up? If you see, <laughs> his name is Bug Hall. Is oh it? yeah. Mm-hmm. I think still acts, but very little. Yeah. Sl- just wanted, you just wanted to be darling. Yeah. <laughs> Slide up in them I DMs. Did. Um, did you ever did you ever see that show? Uh, My name is Earl. Yes. The dude from Kids. That was the only other thing I've ever seen him in. The he was that which he, who he was just like a little side fuck up or whatever. Oh wow! But the main the main character of that not yeah. not Casper, but the main the main the guy. other one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What um very important question here, and I think this whole podcast has been leading up to this question. What do your DMs look like? Oh man, there I is mean, look, it gets crazy in there. I mean, you, you're it gets crazy. Let's let's not the not the hate, not the. The supportive recovery stuff and mental health stuff. Like the weird but, stuff. I mean, there's got to be guys there's that are a fucking lot shooting shots left. Oh, and yeah. Right. There's a lot of weird. I had, <laughs> I had someone, I had this dude email me like a month ago. What, mind you, all of my emails go through my agent. Okay. okay. I actually just got one this morning. I get a lot of people that will email my agent, like asking to take me to dinner and stuff like that. But this one guy, uh, Saudi Prince. He no. He was he was like a medical student or or med, Yeah, he was like about to graduate med school, and he wrote me this email. And I don't know if he was trying to be funny or if he was dead ass. I couldn't like decipher. But he was like, "Hey, like I'm a med student, and I'm like I think he was from New York, and he was like I'm gonna come visit Austin, and I would really like to know if I could like take you out to dinner, and then we can fart together. Like I would really like to fart." I would really, and then it was just like this whole, yeah. <laughs> She's if we out. can flatulate together. I mean, that's the perfect segue into an OnlyFans right there. Yeah. There, there's that. There's that one girl from uh, 90, 90 Day Fiance, I think, where she was bottling up her farts and she was killing Dude, it. Yeah, you can make a she lot was of money. Killing it. You gotta. You can make a lot of money doing stuff like that. So if if I ever make an OnlyFans, it's gonna be so weird. It will be just like so weird, like completely off the wall like me sitting in a tub of, of like a kiddie pool mashed potatoes and like a scuba like weird just like in a scuba suit probably like it'll be huge. crying it'll be huge. singing africa by toto or you know like <laughs> doing some weird shit that's <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd 
my sister-in-law and I were joking, and we were telling my telling my wife we we're gonna set up her a, a foot OnlyFans. Yeah. And we were just gonna pimp out her feet, and we were talking about the split we were gonna have and everything <laughs> like that. And then one day she was having a really bad day at work and like really started. She's like, "Hey, like, do you think?" I'm like, "No, fuck no, we're not doing you a foot OnlyFans." <laughs> you make a lot of money. I don't know. I just don't want America. Seeing them, yeah. I mean, not seeing them, but these dirty motherfuckers out here rubbing one out yeah. to my wife's feet. Well, that's exact. I mean, that's exactly. You got to know, you know. I support all of the people that live that life. Like, you know, I just, <clears throat> for me, I just haven't really thought about ever, go, like, realistically going that route, nah, you know. You're doing good. Yeah. What? Uh, how does that, so with your, do you have children? What, uh. Are they trying to get, do they see you doing it? And they're like, I want to get into social media too. No, or like, actually how like you... the opposite, oh, you know, really? my, my oldest, um, you're, actually... make, you're making social media uncool for them. Yeah, oh, I am. Shit. I, I, my youngest loves to make videos with me, but he, he's too, I don't like, I even block his face. You know, right, I used to smart. put him in my content in the beginning when I didn't have a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. Now there are so many people and so many sick motherfuckers on yeah. the internet that I just don't feel comfortable having him occasionally. My oldest, I mean, he's 13. It's a little different. Um, occasionally I'll have him on there, but he, he like wants to get into the music business. He like, you know, sings and writes and makes beats and like does all this. And I've like told him, I'm like, listen, I will plug you. Like I will, yeah. you know, whatever. And he's like, no ma. Like he just like wants nothing. He, want, he wants to do it on yeah, his own. Yeah, he wants to do it on his Let's own. Go. So I'm like, all right. What all is right. your, what is, when your agent hits you up, with some of these wild DMs, is he just like laughing or he just, So I ha he she, has, he, she has to pass these on to you? Yeah. She doesn't really say, I usually don't say anything and she doesn't really say anything. I usually just am like, you know, it's an, I guess it's a normal thing that yeah. this is like part of the, part of the life, I guess. What's the, what's the, can you, if you can share it, what's the most wild one you ever got? Uh, anything that sticks out? Not re I just get some really weird, very graphic you know, sexual weird things a lot. Um, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, I people imagine. will go, I've had people like write like essays, essays of, of things. And what they want to do? Stuff. Yeah. And just like all, yeah, kind of, yep. I wonder if they're, I'm, I've never done that, but I wonder the people that have or do, I wonder if they're like fucking around. And you can't. Bored, it's so hard to or tell. If they're serious. Because like even with that fart email, yeah. I if that if that was if he was like making a joke, I yeah. feel like that would be hilarious. I I had one dude message me. Oh my god, what did he say? I wonder if he's like second guessing himself. Like, I hope she knows I was joking. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I I usually just don't, <coughs> don't even respond honestly to any of that stuff because I like what am I supposed? I don't even know really what I would what I would say, you right. know, like, sure, I do be gas, like, you know, I am gassy and let's go. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what, what am I supposed to say to that? I don't so know. So what if it was like 20, 20 grand to have dinner and then us go fart for 20 minutes afterwards? See, I don't, I have also, I've had people offer me money to go out with them. I don't give a mother fuck about any of that shit. I've had celebrities in my DMs. Really? Yeah, I have had, and like, no, it's not like only oh like you know, that's just, this is just a normal thing how celebrities do. Like, they won't follow you or anything. They hop in your DMs mm. and just to like you know power play. I think I started noticing it once my page started getting bigger, and um, I don't I don't give a I just don't care about any I don't care about money I don't care about what you have I just like 
I don't know. I'd rather just be on a normal baseline level with like normal people, right. you know? Just, okay. Yeah. That's and good. especially now that I have so many followers, I'm like, all you motherfuckers are normal people. Right. Like, I think some people have a really hard time with the ego thing yeah. and all of that. And I try to like very, stay very steer clear of all that. Right. Yeah. So let's say somebody, somebody's watching this episode. They heard your story. Mm-hmm. They know you from social media and stuff like that, but they're suffering themselves. What is your, what is your advice to them? Don't give up. Don't give up. Do not give up. As long as you're breathing, there are, there's hope and there's things you can do to get out of where you are. Nothing is permanent. Let's go. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. Well, because this is called the I Am Redemption Podcast, if you would be willing, if you would look in your camera and maybe throw out some I Am statements, who is Rachel? Okay. I I am Rachel. I am a mom. I am a strong, independent woman. I am a creator or creative. Creative? I am a creative. Does that make sense? It feels yeah. like it. Ding. That feels like it made sense. Um, I am a supporter of all the people I love. I am funny sometimes. That was great. That was perfect. <laughs> well, I cannot thank you enough for uh, taking thank the time you. to come on. Yeah. You were fucking awesome. I love what you're doing. Keep going with it. If I can ever do anything to help you, please let me know. And thank you for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for having me.